Okay, before we turn any further, let's turn to um, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, please. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah 9, verse 6. Now reading together. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the next verse, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us turn to him in prayer. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for seeing us through yet another week of our lives and helping us to live a holy life at the place of work and at home. We come gathering once again, also asking for cleansing, for washing in the blood of Christ. And Lord, we pray that you would remove all tiredness and distraction from our bodies, that we may truly learn um, from your word and from the Westminster Confessions about the church. We ask that you would build strong convictions, build understanding, that your church will be firm and will have order in it. So Lord, help to build strong foundation for your church through these lessons. Be with us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we move to a new topic. Chapter 30 of the Westminster Confession of Faith, of Church Censures, of Church Censures. Alright, so let's look at our question sheet to try and follow, but let's read point number one, article one first. One, two, reading. The Lord Jesus, as King and Head of His Church, hath therein appointed a government in the hand of church officers, distinct from civil magistrate. Alright, so tonight you want to cover this point on church censures. Now, if you notice that, um, or maybe we, we look at this word, question number one, what is church Censures. So, first of all, what are church censures? What do you think it is? A Alex, what do you think church censures are? What can be? Published. Censures. It sounds like censors. Sounds like censors. They're taking church census, how many people in church was attendance, attendance and publish those things. Now, the word censure, censure means um, formal expression of disappro severe disapproval. Alright? Formal expression of severe disapproval. Right? Some terms. So, it's a, a formal expression from the church expressing very severe disapproval of a member. Okay? So it has meanings like it is a formal rebuke. A formal rebuke to someone. Um, it has the meaning of being an official reprimand. Official reprimand. 
You will notice the word official and formal very often uh, commonly used in dictionary to explain this word censure. Now that's why it's a church censure. It's not a personal um, reprimand. So it's an official reprimand, formal rebuke. What else? It is judgment. Judgment involving condemnation. Judgment involving condemnation. Now all these are formal definitions of this word when used as censure in an in in an, um, in a society or um, an organization then lastly um, it means church discipline church discipline okay church discipline so this is the meaning church censure is a formal expression from the church towards a church member rebuking reprimanding, exercising judgment, condemning, and disciplining. Okay, so it's a very serious thing, church censures, very, very serious. Now, this is a very important topic because, well, we have not had a church discipline, public church discipline case at least, yet, and when it happens, we have to be clear. So we must, I'd rather make sure that we understand all this very clearly, that if God so um, plans that there is a public church discipline, public church censure, we know what it is about and why we do it. Right? So this topic is important. Please ask questions along the way. And now, so, But you notice from the Westminster Confession, Item 2, 3, and 4, it talks about the censures, all right? the reprimands, the rebukes, and so on. But question 1 talks about church government. Church government. So I ask question number 2, right? why is it important to understand church government in the study of church censure? We are studying church censure. Why does the Westminster Divines want to include church church government first why do you think it's important why and why do you think so why don't you just jump straight into church censures to know the order what do you mean by that leadership, leadership. what what has it to do with censures very good church censures is executed by the church Government, just like in a country, right? Do we go around executing um, um, f formal um, condemnation and discipline? Well, we have those, what do you call that? Those maverick uh, people going around to execute judgment. That's, that's not right. It's executed by the government. So in order for us to accept and understand church censure, the Westminster very divines very, very, very wisely make sure that we understand church government first. If you don't accept church government, I say again, if you do not understand and accept church government, you will not accept church censures. Alright, so it's important. It's just like you live in a country, you don't accept the country rule, you're not going to accept their discipline, their condemnation, their judgments. You won't accept it. So it begins here. Um, and I think it's a good chance for us to really learn about church government because very often um, it's something that is 
um, a topic that people don't like to really delve into. So here we must understand. Now, question number three. Now, the first thing to understand and to be clear about is church government a system appointed by God for his church? Or did man invent it? That is the question. Is it something that along the way church leaders decide, let's have church government, let's have church um, authorities? Or is it something that God implemented? Right? So show from scriptures. What do you think? Now, obviously, you would not dare to say it's from men. You probably, you, so I won't bother to ask you. But now let us look at how do we know? How do we know? So proof. The whole point of this question is this. Eh? We must be convinced it is not along the way people decided to have church government and church authorities. It is something that God implemented in the church. Right, so this is, this is, this is um, the, the chapter on chapter 30. Uh, I found this quite useful. Now, how do you prove from Scripture? It's from God, not man. Now, first of all, we look for example in 1 Corinthians 12.28. Right? So you want to write down 1 Corinthians 12.28. Now, God says in His Word, And God hath set some in the church. So it is God that set these things in the church, not man. The apostles... Secondarily, prophets, thirdly, teachers. Now, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings. Now, helps governments. Governments. It is God that set in the church. Governments. Now, obviously, some of this have passed, but governments is something that God said. Now, have government passed like tongues have ceased? Has it passed? What do you think? You see, after 1 Corinthians, you will then see that as the Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter write to churches, they mention rulerships. They mention that. Okay, so not, it is not something that will pass away like tongues, like miracles. But God said government, so be clear. Don't say, I don't like government in church. It's set up by God. Now, where else? For example, 1 Thessalonians 5.12. Now, God says that, and we beseech, let's read together. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 And we beseech you, brethren, to know them that labour among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. They are over you in the Lord. Means they are put on top of you. In other words, they, are rule, they rule over you. They govern you. And not only that, they admonish you. Remember, censure means rebuke. Hmm? A form of admonishment. So, you would notice that it, is, it does not pass away. Government set by God and they rule over members. They rule over people. Now, next one, for example, 1 Timothy 5.17. Shall we read together? Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honour, especially they who labour in the word and doctrine. So here is very clear. When, when Paul wrote to the young pastor, Timothy, he made sure that he says now make sure that people understand let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor in other words paul says make sure that the rulers the elders that rule there is rule in church i say again that that god meant that there are rulers in the church 
not the 12 inch ruler, the actual human being ruler. There are rulers in the church. So church government is something that continues. Now let us also read. Now this is Hebrews 13.7. Shall we read on the screen together? Can you read? Yeah. Can? Remember them which have ruled over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. See, again and again, God talks about there are rulers in the church. So, now, of course, there are many other. Um, so, for example, in Acts... Ah, no. Okay. So, these are just samples that are pulled out talking about rulers in church, government in church, authority in church, synonymous words, all right? Now, why is it so important to understand that church has rulers? Church has rulers. Because men, by and large, in their hearts, after the fall, do not like authorities. Men naturally resist authority. That is why they resist God. I resist God because I do not want authority in my life. Remember, I think it was prayer meeting, I spoke about this movie at one point of time, um, Rebels Without Cause. Now, for a long time in society, well, actually way back, even before the times of Christ, in, in the philosophy of the world, the whole concept of humanism and so on um, led to many philosophical concepts of, of humans making decisions for themselves, we are all equal, and then slowly, slowly it developed, but the, the explosion really happened um, in an era where the young people really came out um, in expression all the anger, all the resistance in their heart of, I don't like authority. But they, but they, but they always just submitted, although grudgingly. But at that point, everything came out. Resist authority. So, um, 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 demonstrations, um, breaking away from parental authority, um, fighting against police, going against the law, without a cause, just to rebel against any form of authority, then from then on, it really took off. Right? If, if you remember your school days, or you see your children um, in school, you can tell, they resist teachers, they don't like principals. Maybe at work you experience that somehow people don't like the bosses. They love to gather around and criticize the boss. And we are just resistant to authority because we are proud. Why must I listen to someone? Why must I submit to someone? My, why must you make the rule? But God makes it very clear. God's system in the church is there are rulers. God intended it. Has it changed? No. God continues to say to the church, they that rule over you, appoint bishops, appoint overseers, appoint rulers. God told them to appoint, 
to appoint rulers in the church. Alright, so these are things that I want us to be very clear about. Because today in church, the whole concept of leaders, leading authorities in church, somehow in the heart of members. They may not say it, but generally it is not something that we like. You think so? Resistance. Resistance. Okay, so, so that. So I want to establish that it is something that God institutes, not men. Now, item four, question four. Now, why do we need church government when God has ordained civil magistrates? So look at your point, your article one, point one, article one. Now, here it states, the Lord Jesus as king and head of his church hath, hath therein appointed a government, and we saw that, in the hand of church officers. And it's distinct, separate, from civil magistrate. Remember we studied civil magistrate in chapter 23? Civil magistrates are secular government, right? The country government, magistrates in the secular world. We studied about it. We are supposed to submit to their authority. It is God that set them up to rule, to even wield the sword, means to actually execute people, punish, punish. Right? So, well, if there, there are all those already, we studied about it and God told us, God told us to obey the country's government that we live in. Why bother about church? Church um, government. Why do you think so? Ellen, why do you think so? Just, just let, let us follow the, the government rules of the, the country. Why do we need church government if God already said, I am the one who implement country governments? They're unbelievers, number one. Right? They're unbelievers. Can unbelievers rule the church? Right? So the first point, unbelievers cannot rule the church. Do unbelievers rule the church? Well, we know the Pope took over the church. He's an unbeliever. Are there unbelievers ruling in churches today? Of course. People who are not saved claim to be saved. And when unbelievers rule the church, there will be chaos. Why? Why is that so, Nancy? Why when unbelievers rule the church, there will be chaos? Say again. They will bring their worldly ideas, worldly principles, to rule the church, all right? So the church will be run like a, like a secular world company, like a sec with secular values, rather than spiritual. So God says, I've set up country governments to rule the country. But when, but when it comes to the church, it is my church, a spiritual church. It is to be ruled by believers, hmm? number one. And then the follow-up thing, obviously, is it is meant, the church is meant to be ruled by, by what? Which book of law? The Bible. Unbelievers will not use the Bible. Only believers will submit to the authority of the Bible. But the world, the magistrates, the secular civil magistrates were run by their own rule books. Hmm? So, God intended to keep 
church government and civil government separate that is why god says i will have civil government but i will have church government separation of state and the church you heard of that statement right separation of the state and church so god intended it to be like that so can we bring can we say well we are not happy so let us bring um, lawyers bring um, council melville council into our acm bring melville council when we set up our constitution and ask them to write our constitution no we are not supposed to turn to civil magistrates all right we write everything we rule everything by the bible so god intended that to be separate very important now item question five right question number five now who is the church ultimate governor very clearly in article one the lord jesus as king and head of his church he is the one who appointed government in other words he is the king of kings do you understand we keep saying king of kings lord of lords the government is upon his shoulder we read earlier on look here isaiah 9 6. now what is his name first it says the government shall be upon his shoulder his name shall be called counselor right so government all government whether it's civil or church comes from the authority of christ all right so we must establish that very clearly um, he is the head of the church and therefore he is he's the one who rules in other words all authority in the church originates from christ is under christ and is for christ okay so remember that all authority in the church is derived from christ and for christ so like when we studied about civil magistrates we kept emphasizing that ultimately authority comes even government in the world comes from christ he is the one who set up a king and removes another king so we must remember that but now the question is this if christ is the ultimate ruler so we talk about church government church government church government but we also see from scriptures christ is the ultimate government appointer all right he is the one that appoints governments now what does this imply christ is the ultimate governor and authority in the church he is the head of the church when we study authorities what else does this mean what do you think mabel what do you think this must conjure in the christian mind i come to church and i learn that christ that church have authority church have rulers and christ is the one who gave all this authority and rulership and he's the one who appointed then what how should you view authority what does all this imply christ is the ultimate ruler what does it imply in your heart then if as long as the leaders command what god commands then the people must submit why do you say that but aren't i obeying men i want to obey christ directly 
but they are obeying Christ. Now remember, remember some of the Christians when the church problems and they say, ah, you follow Paul, you follow Peter, you follow people. I follow Christ. <laughs> yeah, you can follow all this, but, but I submit only to Christ. You can submit to Peter, to Paul. I submit to Christ only. Is this a biblical statement? Yes and no. Yes, uh, no, in the sense, it is Christ that appoints rulers. We read many places. Obey them that have rule over you, right? Christ appoint rulers. And Christ says, let's read her. Now, what does Christ say? What does God say? Remember them that have rule over you. Let the rulers, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. In other words, obedient, obey them, honor them, and so on. And, and please know, they will, they will admonish you. So, God is the one who gives this authority to rulers, appoint, then therefore they are given authority. Now, and can we then say, well, I, I disobey Christ. If Christ appointed rulers, and he meant that, that church members, that church members, is supposed to be ruled by his appointed leaders, supposed to be ruled by them, then should we say, oh, I just obey Christ and I ignore these people? We cannot. We cannot. Because it is a Christ-ordained system. That is why I spent some time talking about this. Christ-ordained system that we follow the rulers that he gave authority to appoint. So, no, we cannot say you can follow the church, you can obey the church leaders by obey Christ. So, no. When is it yes? We study afterwards. Well, obviously, if they rule not according to the authority of Christ, they give commands that are contrary, then of course we have to obey Christ. Peter himself said, should we obey men or should we obey Christ? Right? But we must come to this acceptance in our heart. God meant, I say again, we must come to this acceptance in our hearts that God meant to use rulers in the church to govern the church and that his people are supposed to then therefore honor, submit and obey the system that he put in place and the people that he put in place. You must have this in your heart. Why does many churches have why do many churches have a lot of problems? Because of this very basic concept of resistance to, I just follow Christ. Why must I obey men? No, it's a system that God put in place. So can a wife say, I just obey Christ. I don't have to obey my husband. But God says, obey your husbands. It is the head that God put in the home. Just like Christ said, I'm the head of the church, I put the head of the home to be your husband. As long as he is ruling according to my authority, my commands, you're supposed to function in that system. Alright? So hope we, we are absolutely clear in our hearts. So that's one. Um, 
what else? So, God, God wants us. In other words, why? Because God wants us to function in this system. So, that's the first point. What else? Why else? What are the implications when God says, I set authorities in the church? It also means that when we submit to the rulers who execute God's commands, we are submitting in reality to Christ. Okay, remember that. That's why when the wife submit to the husband, he said, as unto me. Christ said that. Now, why is this point important? Why is it important that we realize when I function in this system, I am actually still obeying Christ? I'm not obeying men. That's why I ask you. But aren't I obeying men? We are obeying Christ. As, why is it important to make that very clear in our hearts? Why do you think so? Sujin, why do you think so? Why must a Christian, when he's in church, be so clear in his heart? When I submit to the authorities, I'm actually submitting to Christ. Okay, you put it the other way. So if I disobey the church rulers who are executing God's commands, ruling based on God's precepts, then I'm actually disobeying Christ. I'm actually telling Christ, I do not want to obey you. Now, why is it so dangerous to think like that? Why is it so dangerous? Number one, as long as the Christian do not have this very clear sight, God expects me to function in this system, of rulers over me, church authority over me, and what they ask me to do is authority from Christ. I'm really submitting to the authority of Christ. When you don't have clear, clear sight of that and always very conscious of that, what happens is this. You resist even it is right because of the pride I spoke earlier on. Men just don't like to obey others. That is the reality. And as long as you don't have that, that very clear sight, over time, you will just become more and more angry in your heart. Why must I always listen to him? Why must I always listen to him? Why must I always listen to them? Why? Over time, you will begin to say, why don't they listen to me? Because you never, you, you lose sight, I am actually listening to Christ as long as they are executing and ruling according to the principles of Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes, or put it the other way, sometimes when Christians or members keep fighting against church authority, it is because it is personal. I don't like the way the leader talks. I don't like the way he looks. I don't like the way he, he plans. Too detailed or not detailed enough. Over time, all these things that you don't like about the, about the person that is the ruler, over time, you don't like the person. You lose sight that I'm actually, when I obey him, I'm actually obeying Christ. When you lose sight of that, you begin to become a very difficult member. Do you agree? Because it becomes personal. But as long as this, this sight of yours is very clear, is very clear. When you're not happy, when you don't like the person, 
But as long as it's biblical, you will just continue to toe the line and work with the church. Do you understand? That is why it's very important. This concept of church authority is not talked about. And the, all this kind of unhappiness usually is just personal. A wife that does not want to submit to the headship of the husband will always say, he's not good. He's not a good man. He don't love me as, I, as he ought to. Over time, you look at it as a personal thing. Then you do not want to submit. But as long as you remember the command comes from Christ, then you have a clear sight. This thing falls out of you. You do not get personal. Now, why is this very important? Because some things in church are going to be just nothing to do with very biblical, clear biblical commands. All right? Maybe like, should, should we have um, children leave during the beginning of the hymn or in the middle of the hymn? Some churches do that, some churches do this. Should we have worship at what time? Now, those are not biblical, are clear, or I'll put it, biblical principle, theology. But as long as you do not see church authority as from Christ and obeying Christ, in areas that are clearly biblical, or I put doctrinal, theological, well, by and large, you, you, you may accept. Okay, I can accept. But when it comes to non-doctrinal, non-doctrinal, should we cook um, Chinese dishes for next men's and ladies' fellowship or Western dishes? Non-doctrinal. <laughs> I think so. Unless someone can think of a doctrinal reason. Non-doctrinal. You will struggle because you don't see well this has nothing to do with rulership you know why must you always listen to the church leader if the church leaders if the church if the church leader want to be so involved uh, and decide what dishes why must i listen to them well this one i can accept but i can't accept this then there is always that fight over time do you agree that authority means Doctrinal and non-doctrinal because in running, ruling, administrating the church, many things are non-doctrinal, right? We are just setting up um, processes for certain things in the bulletin process. Non-doctrinal. But why must pastor always decide? Why can't we decide? Can you decide? Angeline, bulletin team. Oh no, you say yes. Shining, can the bulletin decide? Bulletin team decides on these things. Can they decide on these things? No. <laughs> okay, maybe I bring it closer home, right? Um, where to keep the toilet papers in the house? Alright? Non-doctrinal in the home. Can you decide where to keep the toilet papers? Yes. So why can't they decide what process? Alright, so don't go there yet. Can you decide where to keep toilet papers? You just said yes, right? 
But if Su Jin say, I like the toilet papers to be displayed on the toilet bowl, <laughs> host type, right? And I arrange in triangular shape, hmm? like bowling pin. Can he choose to say that? Must you obey that? Why? He's the head. Alright? And God says, obey the husband in everything. Right? Including everything. So, rulers, authority. God says they are set to rule, to decide, to put things in place. Doctrinal and non-doctrinal, especially church rulers. There are, there are so many processes in church. You know, it's scary. I, I keep putting processes together, draw full charts. You know why? Because I'm afraid if I walk out, then I get knocked down by a car, then I die. Then, the, like, how to do bulletin? It's all disjointed. It's all in my mind. And some of them, I say, can you please, 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 you write documentation. You write documentation. You suddenly get appendicitis in the hospital. We don't know what to do. You suddenly give birth. We don't know what to do. Everything. Now, all these are non-doctrinal, right? If they want to choose, I can say, yeah, please go ahead and do it. I don't want to be involved. But if the church leader say we want to decide, then submission is still called for. Do you understand? Now, why do I take some time to explain this? The point I want to make is, until the Christian accept, authority comes from Christ. And authority means both. It means everything. Ruling. The word ruling means... Okay, just now we kept reading the word rule, right? Let me give you the definition of rule, okay, um, from a Bible dictionary. Rule, it means have authority over, right? So this for question number three. You want to put rule in there? What does it mean, rule? Have authority over to govern, to judge, to command, to lead. Alright, these are the meanings in this word rule in Greek. A whole suite of meanings. So I want to say again, it in there includes giving commands, leading. In the military, a soldier, if now, of course, there are dangerous situations. They say, in this situation, please use this equipment, please use that equipment, please obey this, please obey that. Now, but when, when a commander gives the command, you run there and touch the tree, and then run back and do 10 push-ups, and then run there, and then um, touch your feet, and then come back. Must you do it? You do it. Because it's command. Understand? I don't ask you to do that. Right? Command. Command. So, this word rule includes command. In other words, anything that they command that is not unbiblical, that is non-doctrinal but not unbiblical, you still need to see it. Uh, no more colors already. You still need to see it. Oh. Oh. You still need to see it as I am submitting to Christ even in these things that they command. Okay? So, this is the meaning of rule. This is the meaning of authority. If you don't see that, 
once there are personal unhappiness all the small things any small thing in here that happens you will keep resisting why do church leaders want to do this why 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 don't we do the other way now you understand why in many churches there is always no peace and always fighting they may not fight over these things now i would say that many bb churches by and large this is kind of settled most people who want to stay in a bp church these things they've already decided yes and they have strong convictions on biblical separation all those things but usually church have problems is this area why because a failure to really understand church authority rulership all right okay so that is very important why i spend time on this it will help you in your church life remember it will help you in your church life now i visited an elderly uh, recently and he said this he said you know in the past i caused a lot of problems in this church i didn't know better i did a lot of things which i'm not proud of and i should not have done but he says now that i understand learn more about what church is and obedience um, to christ through the church i've changed and actually i see big change since uh, the first time i came very big change in this now please know this is an elderly man people always say you can't teach old dogs new tricks i'm not calling him old dog huh? it's just very difficult to change their ways but when this man understand that church that god sets up church authorities rulers then as long now listen to what he says as long as they are doing their job i let them do their job and i just support them and encourage them even in areas that in the past i used to say this way that way this way that way a lot of things everything i have something to say they learn they learn no longer to get this personal thing as long as they're doing their job they're not unbiblical i let them do their job and i support and honor them follow them right because ruler means they lead when they lead and you don't want to follow there's a lot of problems okay so i spend time on that to establish that now maybe at this point um, to make sure you understand why i am spending a lot of time on this let's jump to another question all right i want you to jump to our favorite topic of our recent favorite topic that we finished in our studies question number 16 question 16 question 16 now i ask you what is a key trait and teaching of progressive christians regarding church authority anyone remember one of the things that they resist too straightforward um I ask? douglas do you remember one thing that they don't like do you remember one of the key traits too many rowena 
<laughs> opposite of what we believe. Too many things. What is one the opposite of what we believe? Why do they just want to go opposite of what people believe? Why? They don't like authority. Remember, they keep talking about the church institution and break away from the church institution. I'll let you read one of the things that they wrote. Well, you'll you find many of these I'm just um, in one form or another. Now, this is an article written. Um, this is a contemporary word delivered at St. James Uniting Church, Curtin, Australia. Right? Actually, Australia, Australia's Uniting Church is, is, is spearheading progressive Christianity. And he says, what is our prophetic, what is our prophetic Christian, prophetic progressive Christian voice? What is it? It doesn't work. What is it? So he wrote a long article. Now, one of the things that he, he wants Christians to now change in our thinking and progress, progress in our thinking is this. Now, Greta Vosper, now she wrote a very profound book, With or Without God, Why the Way We Live is More Important Than What We Believe. Very progressive, huh? What you, what, how you live is more important than how, what you believe. Do you agree? Uh, Alex, do you agree? How we live is more important than what we believe. Very tired, so can't think tonight. <laughs> huh? That is wrong. What was wrong with it? We always talk about you must have a good testimony, right? And you tell your children, have a good testimony. How you live is very important. That your faith tells you how you live. You can't ignore what the Bible says, what to believe, and then just choose as long as you live in a way which the world thinks is good, then that's more important. You can't. Now, now Vosper, she writes this. Vosper perceives Christianity as human construction. That is, humans created the concept of God, the image of Jesus passed down through the church, the Bible, doctrines, dogmas, traditions, the church, and ecclesiastical authority structures, structure, even heaven and hell. So to the progressives, they always tell you this. The one thing that Christians must progress beyond is this idea that these things are given by God. They are not. The Bible is not given by God. It's written by man. It's man's idea. God did not give it to us. So doctrines, dogmas, tra traditions, now all these are human construction, including ecclesiastical, means church, ecclesiastical church authority structure are human construction, human inventions. Vosper believes that all signals indicate that the church and the Christian faith in its current construction has outlived its viability, means not relevant anymore. The Christian church has what has always been not relevant anymore, outlived its viability. We have held on to its to onto institutions. You know what's institution? Church, Westminster Confession of Faith, Creeds, all these are institutions. 
and traditions until they are no long until they no longer make sense for most of us until we no longer recognize them as meaningful so to them ecclesiastical structures authority are not viable today they are not meaningful anymore today and it doesn't make sense for the church anymore how to draw on this ecclesiastical structures are not relevant today not meaningful anymore now the good news is that because Christianity is a human construction you and I can also be co-creators in the new Christian history in other words change many of these including ecclesiastical authority structures it's time to change it understand why I spend time on this is this will constantly be bombarding you you read it's going to be somewhere in some books some blogs some websites remember I keep saying how do you change your beliefs how the progressive Christianity plant their concepts into you hey do you remember what is the most effective instrument for progressive Christianity to plant their progressive thoughts into you hmm? And that, well, love is the concept, but the instrument. What's the most powerful instrument? Hmm? Say again. Testimonies. That's one. How else, Hannah? Do you remember? The strongest tool. Social media. Where is social media? Can you name me some social media? Uh, ben. Blocks. What else? Facebooks, what else? Huh? Say again. Instagram, Twitter. These are their tools that is very pervasive. How much time do you spend on these things? I think I can safely say more than the Bible. <laughs> right? You're, you're taking it all in. It will be in there somewhere or other. That's why you change. We see people change. Actually, someone changed very drastically. And the person had been quoting certain things. So I thought I was the only one who know. I look at it. Uh, after I just do a quick search, oh, you find who is the blogger. You know who's the blogger. So our church, people will read and they start quoting and start writing and start believing. Those statements, you just check. Ah, is this blogger? This person. I thought I was the only one. Then I was mentioning, someone said, someone can even mention the name. Oh, yeah, I know this person is following so and so on their blog sites it's very powerful why am I talking about this the whole concept of ecclesiastical authority will continue to be um, resisted by the progressives and passed on to you in one way or another that is why the Westminster Confession of Faith, Faith never goes out of fashion it is always safe and sound why why Yo, why because it's always based on the Bible. I hover around all those things. They take it from the scriptures. You can talk about ecclesiastical authority are constructed by men. That is why my question number two. No, question number three. Why did I ask you question number three? Because of this word. Is it highlighted? Human construction. 
human construction. To them, church authority is a human instituted and designed thing. But when we read scriptures, it is not. It is instituted, authority, rulership is instituted by God. Okay, so that is why it will always be sound. Now you understand why they want you to resist creeds? They want, to res they want you to resist institutions? Why? Because these institutions, these creeds, these traditions, they are biblical traditions. We are not asking you to follow unbiblical traditions. As long as you keep them because they are biblical, you will resist them. Okay? That is why I ask you question number three. It is not for fun. Alright, so let's come back. Let's come back so you've answered that. Uh, have you answered that? What is the key trait? Their, their key trait is to resist ecclesiastical authority and structures. That is their key trait. Don't believe what they say. Now, why is this so? Since we are at question 16, let's answer this first. Why is this so? Why do you think so? Why do they want you to resist ecclesiastical authority and traditions and creeds? Why do you think so? Cheryl, why do you think so? Why do they promote that so hard? Okay, they don't believe in the word of God. But why, they, why do they want to attack church authority so aggressively? And tell people to, to move away from that. Why? Why that? It goes against the model. Why do they want us to go against the model? Ben? They hate Christ, yes. But why would it make them successful? Angeline, why would they make why would progressive Christianity be very successful if they can get you to resist church authority? Say again? Yeah, why would it make you become one of them? It's a very powerful tool, you know. Why? Why would you become one of them? Ruina, why? Mm -hmm. So you won't listen to the church, you won't submit to the church teachings, even if it's biblical. That is the only way. Why must I believe what the church says? Why must I submit to the church's interpretation of scriptures? Once that happens, how is it so powerful? Now, resisting church authority is a very powerful thing, huh? Now, look, church authority is based on the Bible. Eh? Church authority, right? Rule according to the Bible, correct? Now, if, as long as the church authority is biblical, if they can get you to resist this, then you don't have to accept the church's teachings of the Bible, correct? The authority, what makes you authority what makes you authority over, over scriptures? I can interpret it myself. Now, what happens next is this. Then they, now this is the power. 
then they will begin to interpret scriptures themselves, correct? And when they interpret scriptures, they blog, they Twitter, they Facebooking, I don't know what you call it, alright, they Facebook, and so on and so on. And then more people read. More people read. And then more, pe more people propagate. More people propagate. Do you understand how it propagates and how it grows? Social media. So be very careful about social media. The first thing they have to do get you to resist church authority. Okay? Now you understand why God says this. Why does God say, honor them, submit to them, obey them, follow them that rule over you? Because they are protecting you. That is why I give them the authority. Oh, of course, if they don't uh, uh, obey, we'll see later, then what? Alright? So, question 16. Um, and what happens here is, when you resist church authority, what's going to happen next? Now, you are going to be the teacher. You, as an untrained person, like Vosper and all that, or some others. If you are untrained, actually I do not know whether Vosper is trained or not, I do not know. No. But the untrained ones, they are the ones that are going to keep blogging. Why does God have specific criteria about church authority? Because we have to make sure the right men are in place. We see some of that. They must be apt to teach. They must be the pastor. Theologically trained. All those, all those checklists in place. But once they get you to resist, once they get you to resist this, then now they become the theologians. Then they become the avenue to which they spread. That is why many of these people, they will just, in their Facebook, in their Twitter, they quote one Bible verse. Hmm? And then, and then, in there, they will make a certain comment. Whether it's biblical or not can sound very good. Then you imbibe it. Then you believe it. Then you begin to change. Do you understand how it works? So is church authority important? That is why God put church authority in place. That is the reason. Right? Now, so later we will learn then what makes church what are the responsibilities of church authority now let's quickly let's go to question number six now let's try to understand all right let's try to understand before i move on to question six uh, question five is very important question five is very important christ is the ultimate ruler we keep saying christ is the head so you must realize Christ is the one who gives out authority. When you obey authority in the church, you are obeying Him. When you disobey, you are disobeying Him. Please be clear. Um, actually, can we turn to Hebrews chapter 13, please? Hebrews chapter 13. But before I read this, before I forget, um, 
you understand why now I keep telling you if you block, if you write something and you quote someone, you better be very careful. You better check many times what the person means. Don't just think that this is a catchy phrase, catchy saying, and you just quote. You can be quoting Roman Catholic theologians. You can be quoting very clever sayings of progressives. You become responsible for spreading it. Do you understand? When you read, you want to thumbs up, you better check and you better be very careful because you thumbs up. Let's see who thumbs up. Pastor thumbs up. If pastor thumbs up, of course it is fine. Everybody thumbs up, right? Because you assume, I, I know. If you thumbs up, okay, older person, right? Say, um, Howard. Wow, Howard, tall, elderly man, right? Look very smart. If, elder, if Howard thumbs up, should be fine. Let's all start thumbs upping. And then soon everybody begins to believe that that saying is true. Do you understand how it works? Progressive Christianity. Right? That is why I keep saying, be very careful. It's not that I'm obsessive about don't read, because I am very worried about what, start to, what will start to change. Now, Hebrews 13, let's go there. Hebrews 13. Now, let's read um, verse, verse 7 first. Read verse 7. Remember them who have ruled the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. In other words, one of the duties of the rulers, if they speak to you the word of God, in other words, faithfully and biblically, remember them, honor them, follow them, take heed to what they say. Now, but also look at verse 17 and 24. Let's read verse 17. Reading, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for it is unprofitable for you. Now please note, what are the things that God expects of members to obey, to, to do with respect to the authority that He set up that teach you the Word of God? Obey, number one. Obey means put yourself under. It is like obey. This word is same as obeying military commands. Obey them means you don't. Sometimes you don't understand, but obey. Sometimes an urgent situation tell you stop. Dangerous parents, you do that too. Obey me, my child is too dangerous. Now those that have rule over submit, submit again with the same kind of concept of of military. For they watch. Why? Why? Why do we do that? Because we love to control you. No, for they watch over your souls. That is something that keeps me awake at night. Watching over the souls of the sheep that God asked me to take care of. Because I must give account for you. And when you disobey, it gives the church leaders a lot of heartache, not joy. And finally, it says, it is not profitable for you. Summary is this. God, not the church leaders, say, if you do not obey, you do not submit, it is not profitable for you, means it is not good for you. God put authority over you for your good. Now, we'll see later what are the duties of that. Now, then let's, verse, let's read um, verse 24, reading, Salute 
all them that have rule over you, and all the saints, they of Italy salute you. So from now onwards, whenever you see the pastor, the elders, salute. You know, this hit there. Salute. Huh? Salute. Why do a soldier salute the officer? Why? It's a sign of submission, a sign of honor, a sign of respect for the office. Right? Of course, this means greetings. Hmm? So it is an expression of we will obey, submit, because we know that you are authority put in place by the ultimate government and it is for our good. Alright, so some of these things which maybe we'll cover a bit more. So understand um, what all this imply, why are these important? I want to emphasize again, I just told Sharon the other day, It is a lot better not to be a pastor, if I'm not called, because when a ship goes wrong, it is my accountability. You all don't have to worry, you just carry on with your family. It's just like father, mother. When my child goes wrong, I know I'm accountable as father or mother to God. You have that burden. No one likes this kind of responsibility. I don't know, some like it, I don't know. But it's a very onerous one. So, I never shared this with you. When Reverend Quay asked me after my ordination, Reverend Joseph, how does it feel? I said the same. Just a confirmation of my calling, still the same thing, teach, preach, feed the sheep. No change, don't fear anything. But after my ordination and elected to be pastor, he asked, how does it feel, pastor? Joseph. I see like a ton of brick on my back. I didn't even know that I would change because all of a sudden it is very real. I am accountable for you. I don't like to take on that responsibility but because God has put, I do it because I am concerned about your spiritual wealth, welfare. That's why God said the authority is responsible for that. Do you understand? When I, when I just got, when I became pastor, I think very soon I was in Singapore, I was in the FEBC day of prayer in the morning, I sat down there, so I was part of, uh, I attended their, their day one of school since I was there, I sat down. Yong came in, she was in Singapore too, she popped down and sat behind me and she leaned across, morning pastor! I didn't answer her because I was trembling. It was very difficult to hear people call me pastor because now it's not reverend, it's pastor. The church authority now is accountable for you. Do you understand that? So, no one, God says, don't grieve them. They worry for you. Alright? So that is why God put authority in the church. That's why God put authority in the church. Now, look. Then what are these authorities? Let's learn. Um, now, I ask you, but elders are elected by the people. Then it is, then is it not appointed by members rather than Christ? So who appoint authorities? We read just now in point article number one. He hath therein appointed the government. So did you appoint last election? You elected the pastor. Did you appoint or did Christ appoint? Phyllis. Christ. Why Christ? But you're the one who voted.
Cult. All right. But just, just because I say I'm cult, many will say they're cult. Who appoints? Christ said he appoints. How do you know that when you vote, you are actually making sure that it is Christ that is appointing? How do you know? How do you know? Um, how do you know? Very good. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. If you follow these criteria, 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 because it's the criteria that Christ set, if you follow it, you pray, but you apply all these criteria against the man, who is really appointing? Christ, because you're using his criteria, understand? Look, if you're hiring someone in a company, someone comes in, uh, I want to hire um, long hair, uh, um, wears jeans, uh, talks like me. Whose criteria? I'm hiring my own criteria. But say, what the company wants this? Then you, when you apply everything that the company wants, who is really applying, uh, employing? You are just an instrument but the company is employing. Understand that. You're using the criteria. As long as you... Because the, I ask you this because many people say, I don't understand this election system. Isn't it supposed to be Christ? How come we, we elect? Christ used the church. We see that in Acts also. They prayed, they have criteria, and then they chose the deacons, for example. God gave the criteria. You apply that, and then you know you are executing Christ's appointments. So a person can say it's called, and it's important that the person is called. But check criteria, very important. Now, next one, I ask this. Um, what are the criteria selecting and pointing? So, right quickly, is 1 Timothy 3 and um, Titus 1. So, you find it there very clearly. Now, why is it important that the church use this criteria without deviation? The answer is simple. Once you deviate, it is no longer Christ appointing. What are examples of things that people would deviate? Douglas, what do you think? When people you like, what are some of the things that there's a temptation for us to deviate? And not use Christ's criteria. What are some examples? That people like to use in, in voting for someone, a church leader. Very good. When you say, well, you know, I, I, I sit here, without deviation, huh, means every single criteria, please listen carefully, every single criteria must be present before you elect the bishop, the elder, the pastor. Say, ah, some are not there. But you know, I like, I like, he's a very friendly person, very caring towards my family. Or, wow, he used to be a CEO, and he's, oh, he's a doctor, you know. He's giving up his job. Wow, what a sacrifice. We should support him. All that kind of things. But you know, those criteria, a few criteria is not there, a few criteria not there, but it's okay. Then who is appointing? You cannot say that it is Christ that appointed in the church. Alright, so please be careful 
when we elect for church authority. Next one, question number eight, quickly. What form of church government set in place? What is this government in the New Testament church that we keep reading? All right, let's turn to Acts 20, verse 17. Acts 20, verse 17. What is this form of government? Very straightforward. Acts 20, verse 17. Let's read together. Um, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Elders of the church. When Paul called, hey church, come and meet me. And he called elders of the church. And many other passages talks about the church have many elders. In other words, it's plurality of elders. So what is this system that we see in scriptures? Is elders as authority in the church when 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 you look at acts chapter 20 then you carry on further when he met with the elders what did he say let's read verse 28 together reading take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the holy ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he have purchased with his own blood. God made you overseers. The Holy Spirit made you overseers. Overseers means person who overlook things and rule and lead. That is the meaning of oversee. I oversee this whole operation. It means I'm in charge. I lead. I command. Alright, so the elders were the overseers. So what is this system of authority in the church? Many places you will see is plurality of elders. That is why it is called the Presbyterian system. Presbyterian is from the Greek word presbyteros, means elders. The word elders is presbyteros, right? Elder presbyteros. So Presbyterian system is this plurality of elder system. You will see in the Bible only as far as I can see, and I believe it's biblical, and many people only see, there's only one system of of church government in the Bible, the Presbyterian system. You're not going to see the Baptist system. John was a baptizer. He did not have a system. He was not a church leader running a church. The only system you will see, every time how when the church has problems, how, how the church addressed, always calling the elders together to make decisions, alright? So, Presbyterian system. So, do you think the Brethren system is correct? Can't be. Now, how, what is this Presbyterian system? Uh, some of you are familiar, but I, I want to make sure that everyone is on the same page. What does it mean? Congregation, many people. These are people, uh, hate, not rule. Not many people. And then it is a group of elders ruling the church. These are elders. Head of the church is Christ. Understand that? They all are under the authority of Christ. So it's a group of elders. And one of them is the pastor. And like in our constitution, he is the chairman of the board. Alright, this whole group makes the board. B-O-E, they make the board. That is why when I became a pastor, some people say, ah, no, they just function like how we used to function, just you and the session. I say, no, it is not biblical. That is why 
I followed our church constitution. Our church constitution allows if you do not have more than one elder, it means just me, I'm the only elder, then you can bring in an elder from another church and form the board. Right? It must be plurality, at least two. That is why then we invited Reverend Paul. Understand why we did all these things, all right? We invited Reverend Paul, he agreed. And then we have a BOE, plurality, at least two. I do not want to be the only elder. It is not biblical. I don't believe it's biblical, right? So you may not see him. You may not hear from him. But I contact him. We have meetings over the phone. We discuss church matters very frequently, all right? And we have meetings with him. I also minute them and I put it in the church session. Right, so we are fully functioning board. I want to emphasize that. Don't think that he's a figurehead. Right, we really discuss. We go back and forth. We go to difficult decisions on some things. Then we come to conclusion in agreement. Then we go ahead. Then I communicate to the session. Okay? So he's not, he's not figurehead. He's a real functioning board. I want you to understand. So in the Bible is plurality of elders. Now, question number nine, who are the church officers? Because in article one, it says the government appointed by Christ is in the hand of the church officers. In the hand of the church officers. Now the question is, who are the church officers? Who do you think they are? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 17. Who are the church officers? Because authority are the church officers. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 17. Now let's hmm? No, chapter 3 verse 17. Chapter 3 verse uh, chapter 5 verse 17, I'm sorry. First Timothy chapter 5. Who are the officers that are supposed to rule? Now let's read together verse 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honour, especially they that labour in the word and doctrine. Now, please know, the church, the church officers, the CO, the church officers, I'm not carbon monoxide, I'm going to kill you. Alright, the CO, who are they? Remember, the church officers, they are rulers. Christ made them rulers in the church. And here, who are the people that rule, in verse 17, the elders. The elders. So the elders are who the Westminster Divines are referring to in terms of Christ appoint the church officers to rule. The elders. The Bible says it is the elders that rule. Now turn to Titus one chapter Titus chapter one verse five. Quickly. Titus chapter one verse five. Titus one verse five um, reading. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I appointed thee. Now, God told Timoth Paul told Titus very clearly that churches in the cities cannot not have elders. The reason why I left you in Crete is because some churches need appointing of elders. It's lacking. The church are lacking rulers. So I, I left you there, Titus, and please ordain elders in every city. And I appointed you to do that. I commanded you, I instructed you, you must do it. So who are the ones that are rulers? 
who are the ones that accept up to set up to, to be in the church? Elders. Now, who are these elders? Who are these elders? Let's look, look at verse um, 7 together. Now, who are these elders? Verse 7 reading, For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, and so on and so on. So he says, now verse 5, who are the people he's supposed to ordain? Elders. Who are the people? Who, what are these elders? These elders in verse 7 are described as bishop. You know it's bishop? Nothing to do with chicken, right? The bishop. The bishop is, the meaning of bishop means overseer. Right? Overseer. So, look up here. Appoint elders. We saw that elders are the rulers. Who are the, who are the elders? The Bible called them bishop. So they are the overseers. Overseers are people that lead, command, direct, and so on. They are the authority that do that. Alright, so elders are the officers being referred to. Now, I do all this because I want you to be very clear. Because sometimes people say, oh, you're a Presbyterian system. Well, where does the Bible say elders are supposed to rule? Where does the Bible say elders are the overseers? Because in, for example, um, um, certain system, the Brethren system, the Baptist system, it is not. Alright, so, well, they have a combination of certain things. Um, not always not, but by and large, they don't fully agree with this system. Now, next. So, the church officers, be, be clear. How do we know that? I've given you. Now, number 10. How do the, how the, how do, alright, sorry. How do the elders or the Presbyterian system, how do the elders system or the Presbyterian system function in the New Testament church in relation to church officers in responsibilities and church decisions on matters of faith and practice? How do they compare versus the deacons? Okay, I explained to you a long question. Eh? All I'm asking is very simple. You know why I wrote it so long. All I'm asking you is, we know church officers are elders. But you know that in church there are deacons as well. Right? They are deacons as well. They are in the session. So, what are their roles? Are they church officers in the sense of rulers and bishops? No. Rulers and bishops, every time you say they that rule, they that rule is always elders. The bishops, always elders. So, we know that, that deacons are not the officers in the church in the sense of they are rulers and bishops, overseers. They are not. Okay? So, what are their roles? I'm sure you're familiar, but I need you to be very clear. It's my only chance to explain to the whole, to the whole region. Now, please turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Here we have what we take as the appointment of deacons. Alright, now let's read verses 1 to 4. Shall we read together? And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. 
Wherein, uh, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, here are the apostles, the elders of the church. They say now, we, there is this problem in church, ministration. Look at verse 1, ministration. Alright, verse 1, um, ministration. Now, this is about ministering. The word deacon is servant, serving. The word deacon in Greek means servant. Who wants to be a deacon? Okay, next time we call you servant. Deacon so-and-so means servant so-and-so. That is literally what it means. Right? Servant Adrian, Servant Eugene, Servant Joe in English. Alright, so deacons. So administration, the service. And the elders' role is the word and prayer. This very key focus is the spiritual focus of the church. But here there are labor, ministering, serving tables. Verse 2, serving tables. Taking care of all these daily physical activities while the elders take care of the spiritual direction. That is how we see it in scriptures. Now, means it works like that. The elders, word and prayer. Teaching the word, studying the word, teaching the word, praying. But it doesn't mean they don't get involved in things. Huh? But because there are directions of the word and prayer teaching certain things, there are directions, there are things to execute. Too many things. Then the deacons, they, they will serve tables. They will do the actual physical work. All right? So the elders give the ruling directions. The deacons execute the ruling directions. They do not rule or oversee. They execute. Does it mean that a deacon cannot decide? Um, um, Sister Lillian, can, can Deacon Eugene approach Sister Lillian? Sister Lillian, for this year's um, ACM, can you please order from... Where do we order from? South of Ocean. I didn't even know where they would order from. Right? I found out only later. Do I have to decide? Does a kind of deacon decide? Is he overseeing? Right now we are talking about church direction, spiritual decisions of faith and practice. If I want to decide, I can. But if I choose not to, these physical daily decisions, the deacons execute them. Alright? Understand? So for example, we want to appoint a Sunday school teacher. Those of you have been appointed Sunday school teacher, do you see me asking the deacons talk to you? Although Deacon, you, you, Deacon Adrian is in charge of Sunday school, right? the recent appointed ones, well in the past one I, I can't control, recent appointed ones, who talk to you? Me. Because word, you involve in the word. I will personally select, I will personally do. Personally inform. Pian is the same. All, right? All these roles, they are crucial. Um, okay, so, that's the difference. Now, what else are the difference? It's very clear, alright? You'll be very clear in your mind. Now, one of the things when I became a pastor in this church, because all the while the church was not functioning um, normally because we didn't have a pastor, and then um, what was happening was the, the deacons, they have to do everything. All right? There was no guidance, they have to do everything. 
So many decision making, overseeing, they were doing it. But once I became pastor, I have to take over those roles. And I have to train them to know you cannot be a ruler or overseer. Neither can you be a, um, the church officer. It is Reverend Paul and myself. But I know that you have been used to doing this because in the past there's no one doing this. And we appreciate you standing in the gap. But we must get to the normal order of things. Do you know why I need to do that? Why? Alex, why? That is the setup of the Bible. It's the setup of the Bible. I cannot let it carry on unchanged. I must change it, right? Right? So thankful to all these men, they say yes, you know, we understand the model. I conducted, taught them, they understood the model, they say yes, we, we fully agree with the model. We should follow God's model. When we follow God's model, God will bless. Correct? None of them stood and fight. No, I was doing all this. I want to continue. Hmm? They understood. All the deacons understood. Okay, so that. Now, how do we know very sure when it comes to matters of faith and practice, doctrinal decisions, that is all done by the elders? How do we know? Now, please turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. So let's know the model very well. Huh? Acts 15. And never doubt it. And when people ask you from a Baptist church, you can show them this is why we do things this way. Because it's in the Bible. We didn't invent that. Acts 15. Now let's read um, verse 15. Acts 15 verses 1 and 2. Let's read first. Acts 15, 1 and 2 reading. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Now, there's a problem in the church. The church, some of the believers says, now some of these believers, they have this doctrine. You must believe in Jesus and also be circumcised. Now, there's a big problem. Verse 2, let's read. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and the elders about this question. When the church had a problem, who did they turn to? They turned to the deacons. No. They turned to the elders. They knew that the church model is when there's a dispute of doctrines, go to the elders. They went to the elders to gather together. Of course, this is like um, a synod in Jerusalem. Now, let us let us then read verse 6 to 7. Reading, how was decision made when they went to the elders? Let's read verse 6, 6 and 7. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know, and so on and so on and so on. Alright? Peter, being the chief apostle, he stood up. He made that this, and he made a clear um, doctrinal statement. You read the doctrinal statement. He made a clear doctrinal statement. Okay, then after he made a doctrinal statement, verse 12, the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul. So they listened to the elder, in this case the chief elder speaking. Then they say, all right, now we, we should listen to the people who brought this problem. 
Now let's then read verses um, 13. Let's read verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken to me. Who is this? James the Lesser, another apostle, elder. He would stand up and speak. They were the elders, were the ones speaking. Then look at what James would say in verse 19. Let's read verse 19. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. So they, the elders discuss, they use biblical doctrines. From here, they talk about um, what happened and they knew what was biblically sound. And then the elders say, this is my sentence. They discussed and then they came to agreement. Verse 22, then pleased it the apostles and the elders and the whole church. Then they came to agreement. So how do we know doctrinal faith and practices? are decided by the rulers, the elders, the church officers. That is how scripture functioned. That is why, is it right? Look up here. The elders system is like that, right? Congregation, right? Plurality of elders, like we saw. Then there was a chief elder. Is this a biblical model? We saw it. We saw this is how they made decision. Is the brethren system the congregational system. Is it correct where the congregation make decisions and then the church leaders execute them? You don't see that in the Bible. The elders, the congregation went to the elders. The elders decided based on um, God's precepts and they made the decision. When they agreed, the decision was sealed. The sentence was sealed. You do not see the congregational system in the Bible at all. Do you understand why we are Presbyterian system now? I, I mean, some of you are familiar, but some of you are not. So you have to be clear. This is the authority and ruling system. You must settle this before we move to censure. Okay, before we move to censure. So this is, this must be clear. This must be clear. Um, okay, let's look at verse, uh, question number 11, quickly. Question number 11. Now, so now this is the system. Well, everybody wants to be an elder now. Everybody wants to be an elder. Elders only male in the Bible. Um, let's look at 1 Timothy 5.17. Question 11. Let's answer question 11 from 1 Timothy 5.17. Okay, let's read 1 Timothy 5.17 um, together. Reading, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honour, especially they who labour in the word and doctrine. So the question is, what are the expectations, verse, question 11, what are the expectations of God upon their elders? Great, you are the CO. You are the ruling, and you are the CO and RO. Okay? You're the ruling overseer and the church officer. You're the RO and the CO. Great. Everybody wants that. Everybody listen to me. What are their duties? What does God expect? Look at verse 17. Rule. Well, the elder is one who must rule. 
and rule well, not someone who don't care about details, don't, don't work, just let people decide whatever they want. He must think. He must, he must use God's principle. He must rule. He cannot be a man pleaser. Oh, you like this? You like, oh, you like this? Let me see. Oh, oh, like. All right, let's believe. Let's not believe in VPP because most of you don't like it. He must rule, all right? He must rule. Number two, labor in word and doctrine. He must teach the word of God. Now, this is especially referring to the pastor. We see what kind of elders there are. All right, so there's the expectation on them. Now, where else? Please keep... Okay, we answer, we answer B first, all right? We answer B, then we come back to A, so that we keep at this verse. Now, what are the responsibilities of the members to the elders? Honor them that rule well. Honor them that rule well. In other words, the same as honor father and mother. Means what? Obey, submit, follow, respect. Honor them. Right? Not, not um, be disrespectful, dishonoring, disobeying, that kind of thing. Honor them that rule well. And especially they that labor in the word and doctrine. Who is this that they labor in word and doctrine? So if they are teaching the word of God faithfully, they are ruling the church faithfully. They are worthy of double honor. What else? Verse, eight, verse 18. Um, the laborer is worthy of his reward. Make sure that you take care of them physically, financially, so that they can continue to rule and study the word and teach the word, same as the Levites. All right? Make sure their, their needs are not ones. Their needs are taken care of so that they can focus on ruling and teaching like the Levites. Right, so these are the responsibilities to them. And just now we also read in Hebrews 13, right? Hebrews 13. Let's turn to Hebrews 13. What are the responsibilities of the people to the RO and CO? Hebrews 13, verse 17. All right, obey, submit. To them. Don't grieve them. Don't grieve them. Don't keep causing trouble. If the direction and the thing to be done in church is not unbiblical, yes, there are many ways to do something, but don't grieve them. They have many things to take care of. Let them do their job. All right? So don't grieve the elder. Now, so these are some things. Well, what else is the elder supposed to do? Let's turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. What did Paul charge the elders of the church? Acts chapter 20, verse 28. All right? What are the elders? What am I supposed to take heed to? Take heed to all the flock. Means I must worry about the flock. And says, I'm an overseer. I'm supposed to oversee. I cannot run away from that responsibility. I must rule. The word oversee means rule, command, lead, care for. Right? So please do not say, Pastor, why are you such a busybody? Why do you keep telling me not to do this, not to do that? When it is sin, I have to tell you because I am told to take heed 
to oversee you. Please know that, all right? So when I do that, I'm just obeying God's command. And God says it's profitable for you. Number two, next thing, to feed, to feed the church. The pastor must work very hard to feed. Just like a parent, the mother cannot say, I can't be bothered about feeding. My job is to play with you, right? So to feed. That's why just now God says, they that labor, especially they that labor in the word and doctrine, to feed. So pastor must not neglect that. And when the pastor feeds, you must eat. Now next, uh, yeah, so these are some of the things. And then verse 29, for I know this, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter among you. And then he talked about how he warned them with tears as an elder. Now is the elder's turn to watch. So one of my duty was the expectation of the ruler, the ruler, the overseer, the church officer, is to watch against grievous wolves that will come in. When I see them trying to eat you, I will do what I need to do to stop them. It may be your good friend, but if I know they are grievous wolf to you, I will intervene. It is my duty to care for you. When they come in and speak perverse things, to draw disciples after them, I cannot stand aside and do, do not any, don't do anything and just say, I don't get into this kind of trouble. You know, they're friends, you know. And then I come in, it's not nice. I will step in. I will grab the wolf by the neck and throw it out of church. You understand that? So when the church overseer does this thing, he is doing his job that he's told to take heed to. Always watch in the church. Sometimes it's not nice for me to tell you, beware of this person. This is what this person is trying to do. Look at verse, verse 30. Draw disciples after them. God says they will in verse 29. For I know this after my departing shall give us food. It's not going to stop in the church. Sometimes people say, why are you so always having this fight with this person in church? Because if they are grievous wolves, trying to draw disciples after them and they are speaking perverse things, doctrinally not sound, then the RO and CO, if he's a hireling, he runs away. But if he's a good shepherd, he will defend the sheep and fight. Why do I say all these things? Last, question, last part. Remember why God said rulers authority in church God set them up in church it is for the protection of the church understand that if the rulers and the elders fail in what I said just now then the sheep will suffer or even follow perverse teachings and and and, and suffer all right? And the church will get corrupted. Okay? Sheep will suffer. Church will get corrupted if they fail. That is why God gave all this command. Teach. Study. Watch. Oversee. 
right? Because if I fail in watching, overseeing, teaching, ruling, con now ruling includes control, you know, and setting rules. That's why it's called ruling. For the sake of this, once the church leader fails, then this is no use. Then church will go. But please know this. You too, you, you too, not just the rulers cannot fail. You too cannot fail. Because if you would not obey, submit, do what happened? You fail. The leader can keep doing the right things but you fail. Or you want to obey, the leader keeps failing. Now you understand authority for what in the church? It's two ways. It's two ways. And then the last one, I, I close with this, all right? I close with question 12. And then we end. Now, do you understand why now? Uh, where is that? All right? Do you understand why you take membership vows? And I call to your remembrance the membership vows that you take. Question number four, seven, and eight that I ask you. Do you promise to be regular in your Bible reading and in prayer in the worship service and the support of this church? Support, not destroy. If it is not an unbiblical direction, support. Question number seven. As you're joined to this church, do you promise to keep the purity, peace, and unity of this church? Your duty. Meaning to say you will not disrupt the order of this church by introducing what? False doctrines, perverse teachings. False doctrines or beliefs contrary to this church. You don't believe, you keep quiet. Or by disobeying regulations and the constitution or by creating disharmony amongst the members. Your duty. What else? How to observe this duty? Question number eight, I will ask, do you promise to obey the leaders? Now you know where I take this from. Hebrews chapter 13. Obey. Do you promise to obey the leaders who, who said, whom God has set over this church, as well as be subject to their authority and discipline? Where do I get this from? Hebrews 13. Submit to the rulers means subject to their authority and discipline, in so censure, discipline, insofar as they perform their duties faithfully and in accordance with the Bible. As long as it's biblical, the Constitution, follow the Constitution, the beliefs that you have affirmed, that you believe about this church, you, must, you took a vow to obey and submit. Right? Why? Why we make you vow that? We study about vows. It's very serious, right? Why make we make you vow that? Why we make you vow that? Because if you do not vow to obey and submit, the church will be in trouble. It's bad for you too. You cannot say, I want to be a church member and I won't submit to the authority which God put in this church, and their duty is to care for you, but you won't submit. 
and you destroy the church as well, not, not to mention yourself. All right? So when, 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 um, when we swear pastors into the church, there are things that they vow to. All right? Deacons, when they come in, although they're not ruling officers, they also have to take vows when they're installed. Right? Because all these are two ways, I keep saying, two ways. Understand church authority, why there's a need, what it is about, how it's, how it's done in church based on the Bible, why we make you take vows. Okay? So we continue again. God willing, the next time when we meet. Let us pray.